Okay. So I asked Tony the last time and he couldn't, uh, he didn't have an answer, but why did we go from, I swear it was 15 seconds of silence at the very beginning. And then somehow one episode, we decided it was going to be 20. And now (laughs) we've just for the past forever, you know, long amount of episodes been doing 25. Why? Because Tony asked for 20 and 25. Honestly, you know what I do in Linux user space? We don't even do silence. <laughs> look at look at there. Look at there. So Josh, say something funny. <laughs> you just pick a you just pick a silent part. <laughs> I'm already I'm already proxying your mocks down here, so don't don't say proxes your mocks. Oh shut up. No. <sighs> Rushing me. 54G, baby. Woo! The Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Just fi- flipping file systems, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> With fresh back pain, here's Joe. And newly protected by WireGuard, I'm Leo. I was almost laughing too hard to say that. <laughs> this is episode 366, recorded on Sunday, the 25th, 2021. Wait, July 25th, that. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. First up in the news, DuckDuckGo protects us even more. Then it's always DNS. The Steam Deck looks awesome. The kernel is 30 and more. Insecurity updates on Kaseya. Print Nightmare, and the new System D vulnerability. Then in our wanderings, Joe actually wanders. Josh proxes his mocks, and I'm going full ButterFS. Don't forget, we flipped it all around. Josh, I forgot to tell you about this part. Uh, we also flipped it all around. So news first, and in the news, DuckDuckGo tests out email spam protection. Have you all taken a look at this one yet? No, nope. I, I heard about it, but I didn't really look into it. This one's super cool. All right, check it out, right? Um, there, there's a company around called, I think it's like privacy.com or private, I don't remember what it is, but it's free credit card. And you go to that website and you put in your credit card information and then they will give you like one-time use or multi-time use unique credit card numbers that if they are stolen, you can easily cancel them and it never it never actually affects your credit card, right? Right, yeah, I've heard This of is that. the same yep. thing, but for email. Oh, ah. So you go to DuckDuckGo, you download their app, you go into the settings of the app and sign up for the beta. And this particular beta is uh, email protection. So what happens is you'll go in. If you're selected, you get to choose, like in my case, it would be like leo at duck.com or something like that. And that will serve as the email address that I will go sprinkle around everywhere, right? Especially if you're worried whether or not they're going to share your information, they're going to do this or that with whatever. So you can change the redirection where that email actually gets redirected. So when they send it to leo at duck.com, it actually redirects to leo at mintcast.com if that's what I wanted um, or to any other email address. But the beauty, the beauty of this is not just the redirection. So there's, this is great. The redirection thing is great. So you know you can just cancel the email if it gets overwhelmed or something like that. But the beauty is that 
when it forwards you the email, it strips out all the trackers before it does. So it's a unique email address that you can cancel if you need that strips out all the tracking before it actually hits your real inbox. So this is not a real email inbox. It's just like it's a, essentially an alias for your email that does that, uh, that, that strips out tracking for you as well. So is so, this going to cost money once it's out of beta? It's going to cost, uh, I think uh, every month, it's going to cost $0.00. And zero cents. Ooh, that's interesting. Yep. Free 99, baby. It's going to be free. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's going to be free. So hmm. this is just DuckDuckGo being awesome like DuckDuckGo is, right? So what do y'all think? You going you gonna to sign up for this? I might. No, probably not. No. So you, really? you, you dig the tracking? It's just another thing. I mean, seriously, at least for me, I, I have spam protection. Well, but it's not spam protection. It's tracking protection. When the moment you open, so here's the deal, right? Number one, if you're forwarding to a Google email address, you already screw yourself because I mean, Google's yeah, already tracking they, they every single everything. word, right? But but I have Leo at leochavez.org, and I have Leo at Mink. Well, no, that one doesn't count. I have and Proton email addresses, right? Where you know that that there's not tracking involved. So if you have email addresses like that, um, you know, this is this is fantastic. I don't know. I, I guess if, uh, if if you're not worried about uh, companies gathering up all of the tracking information so they can target you with ads and all that kind of stuff, then I guess it's not going to really make any any difference to you whatsoever. But um, but that's the deal, right? I mean, if you're privacy conscious and you care about tracking online, I mean, like Firefox does the tracking protection. DuckDuckGo does tracking protection when you're searching. Now they do the email protection. It just seems to me that tracking is, um, I don't know, it's being slowly disassembled and it's going to be way harder for companies to track you. Yeah, um, and and I've, I've tried to de-Google as much as I possibly can. I mean, right, as I'm using Google Drive right now. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I try to de-Google as much as I possibly can and this is just one more step for me to do that kind of thing with. So I dig it. Uh, I'm going to sign up here in just a little bit and see if I can't get uh, a short email address. Cause I don't know. I like short things short as short as uh, possible. Yeah. That's one and, thing I like about the proton mails. You can do PM.me. Right. Right. Oh, wait, really wait. Nice. So, so wait, so the email address that you already have, you can just sub in protonmail.com for PM.me. I don't know if you can sub it in, but you can have a secondary email address, or you can have up to five if you pay for it, and you can have five different things. Like I have crowbar kernel panic dot pm or at pm me under the same email address as my Josh on Tech one, oh. and all those ones get sent to all those email, you know, all those inboxes. So I can go to each inbox, and they all have the same email. Right. Okay. Or you can cool. separate them if you want, but I'm just saying there's like a central one that all of them will go to. Cool. So Proton Mail plus DuckDuckGo tracking protection and searches equals. Yeah, I think that's a good combination if you really very want Very little tracking. Yeah. And like the, the least amount of tracking. Yeah, really. And then use Firefox with all of that so yeah. that when you do go to <laughs> specific websites that, that track you, which is all of them, um, Firefox will handle that. I mean, we're we're in a. I think we're in a really good time right now as far as tracking goes. Definitely, uh, because we can we can block most all of it, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Won't you think of the Googles of the world though? They need your info. How no, do you they think said, they said they don't need it? They're they're going to get rid of the cookies. They don't need it. They oh. yeah, they they do need it because they're going to put you in a cohort with Flock. So eh, uh, cohort, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
So thanks, Londoner and Anonymous Technophile, for that link. And then the next one is, uh, were you able to not get to websites this past week or so? Because uh, Akamai broke DNS. <laughs> Akamai is reminded that uh, whatever problem you're having, whatever network issue it is, it's always DNS. Always. Always DNS. And I think that's, um, yeah, they, they put out the, uh, hey, we're investigating this. They should have just, yeah, it's probably DNS. That's, that, that's what the tweet should have been. <laughs> just, it's probably DNS. Let us look into it. But Akamai is one of those uh, tier one ISPs. Essentially, they are the ones that, that tend to route like pretty much all of Internet's traffic. Uh, if you're going anywhere long distance, there's a good chance that you touch Akamai's stuff. But um, anyway, over the last week, there was um, a huge outage that was that was the fault of Edge DNS that took down websites like uh, Steam Powered, UPS, Warframe, Home Depot, McDonald's, Delta, EA, Chase, Capital One, Costco, Call of Duty. Anyway, long, long, long list of things. If you're watching the video, you can see, and this is just some of them. But um, yeah, so if you were wondering why you couldn't get to your favorite website for a little while, um, yeah, that was this. And it was uh, on July 22nd, all of this stuff went down. Uh, it was about 30 minutes to an hour that people were really having having big issues. And then slowly but surely, everything started coming back up. Um, my the, the funniest thing about this is that I really hope that if you were one of these companies and you have a five nines uptime SLA, I really, really hope that your SLA included, you know, when it's totally not our fault and proven to be not our fault, it doesn't actually count against our five nines SLA, right? Hopefully that's written into your contract because otherwise this is going to be, this is going to be ugly for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Anyway, and yeah, this is coming off the back of uh, Fastly CDN servers um, going down last month. So just, um, yeah, if you're wondering why the internet was down, this is, uh, this is it. <laughs> This kind of thing happens like every month now. It seems like yeah. it. And I mean, uh, it, it seems like, at least from what they're telling us, it wasn't any kind of hack or anything like that. It was it was a software update to the DNS stack um, on some of their servers that just broke. And once they rolled it back, everything was good to go. So they, um, they tweeted out, uh, Akamai is experiencing a service disruption. We're actively investigating the issue and provide an update in 30 minutes. And then they come back and say, we're continuing to monitor the situation and confirm this was not a result of a cyber attack. And then another message that they came back with at uh, 1546 UTC, a software configuration update triggered a bug in the DNS system, the system that directs browsers to websites. I mean, that's DNS, isn't it? <laughs> the entire system. Anyway, this Basically. caused a disruption impacting availability <laughs> from some customer websites. Like, yeah, um, DNS is the system that directs browsers to websites. I mean, dir directs everything to websites, <laughs> but okay, whatever. Cool. Uh, I don't know about the rest well, of them, but we can... all know why Steam was down. <laughs> oh my god yeah you can still get to websites without dns you just have to have a whole right. lot of numbers memorized yeah and i mean well actually you know i guess you probably could have right because you could have uh set your dns and as long as it didn't go over or used akamai's dns as um as your root you probably could just ask questions to other dns's that had the answer and then use the ip address to get to those uh particular websites so <laughs> if you really needed to get somewhere i guess you totally could but um yeah, I imagine the vast majority of people that were like, ah, is discover.com down? Um, yeah, they, they wouldn't really know how to do NSLOOKUP or DIG or something like that and set your custom servers. <laughs> anyway, speaking of why Steam was down, uh, we talked a lot about this on Saturday, on our Saturday show. 
But, uh, yeah, everybody has talked about this, so I don't imagine there's a lot of news that we're breaking for you, especially since, what, this has already been announced for a a week and a half by now. Uh, Steam Deck. Yeah. Josh, did you pre-order one? No, I did not. Joe, did you? No, uh, I wasn't on the uh, Saturday conversation. I know. um, And, no, I wouldn't order or I wouldn't pre-order a Steam Deck. Um, I understand why they did their pre-orders the way they did. And it's pretty cool to try and, you know, keep the scalpers out of there. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a cool device, and I would love to have one, but I don't see the point in me personally spending five or 600 bucks on one for a handheld gaming system. Mm, I'm totally the opposite. I'll totally spend the money on it, but I will not pre-order it. Um, I won't reserve it. I won't pre-order it. I'll just wait until there's general availability because that will be, um, you know, everybody's beta tested it essentially. And then there'll be a second revision and I'll buy that one. Yeah. I'm um, always a version two guy. You yeah, know? seriously. So I know that, uh, Owen, our editor has pre-ordered one and, uh, who, oh, uh, Dan from Linux user space has Bo, pre-ordered Bo one. Also ordered one. Oh, did Bo pre-order one? Yep. All right. So Bo pre-ordered one. Fantastic. No. I I know that there has been some commentary and videos on it in general, and I know that, you know, it's basically your Steam OS, and Mm -hmm. it's made to load Steam games, and that you can put your own games on there in the same way that you can put your own games into Steam, but can you do anything else? Can you drop to a desktop? Yes, it's Plasma. Mm -hmm. It's just it's, Arch, it's, man. It's a full okay. PC. Like, you can do anything you can do on a PC that with the capability of this thing you can do on this. Yep. But then it might be it might be nice to have for carrying around, but it's also a device that I would have to also then carry another keyboard for. Why? So it's got an on it's got an on screen keyboard. You don't it's got an need on screen one keyboard, but what? It's only going to be like what size is the screen? Seven inches. Joe, can you type yeah, on a phone? <laughs> I can type on a phone. That's yeah. all you need because it's got two trackpads <laughs> okay. built in, and but then you, you can. You know what else I have in my pocket? A keyboard. A phone. Oh right, yeah. Which does emulation and Steam Link as well. But does it have so joysticks? I, it can for mm. like 40 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so instead <laughs> just buy a Steam Deck and you'll be for good to go, man. 600 bucks. But does it have hardware buttons? Mm-mm. It can for can, like 40 bucks. Can it run real <laughs> Linux? Yes. Yes, it can. No, is it? Right now, no, it's uh-huh. not. Because can, it takes up a lot of resources. Can it run real Windows? <laughs> Why would I want it to? I don't know, That's man. That's a good answer. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's 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 options with the Steam Deck. It's not cheap, obviously, but there's a there's a lot of value in a Steam Deck. I think, and yeah. this is why once it's generally available, I can get one, man. Um, the so the fact that I'll it's wait. Arch is fantastic, and yeah. I'm gonna play all of the retro games, all of them. I'll, I'll, Agreed. I'll wait until somebody's selling one for like a hundred bucks, and then I'll pick it up just for the novelty of it. Actually, if they're if they're totally trash, and people just start getting rid of them, oh yeah, I'll hop on it immediately. No, if I can get one for half uh, price, people dude, just easy. Start, yeah, if people just start getting rid of them, I will pick up a bunch of them. Absolutely. Have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The, but, my favorite thing about this is that they do something that even controllers these days don't do. You see those L4 and L5 buttons that they had back mm-hmm. there? Look at yep. this right here. L4 and L5. So your your ring finger and your pinky finger now have things to do instead of right. just hold on for dear life, right? Oh, so, no. With a lot of controllers, those uh, those bottom buttons aren't like 
you know, separate buttons that you can press. They're programmable buttons, and they take over for like the the inward press of the thumbstick or whatever. Oh, that's that's so great. That way, yeah, yeah. So because you know, pressing in on that thumbstick can also right. introduce some lateral motion and yep. cause cause issues that way. So it's a little bit easier, and a lot of professionals use those controllers that are set up that right. way, so that they can just click down there instead of trying to push in with their thumbs at the same time. Yeah. I think Absolutely. the coolest For thing going from like the bottom button to the top button on the uh, thumb pad can also sometimes cause problems. So they'll just reprogram those buttons for that. Right. They can do their combos easier. Yeah. And I, I thought the coolest thing about this whole thing is that the thumbsticks actually have track, not track pads, but you know, capacitive areas on them to tell when your thumbs are actually on mm. the thumb pads. And then you can tilt the device to look around. With with your games you're playing, like if you're playing a per, uh, first person shooter, you can always just you know uh, angle the device and your guy will look that way. That, I think that's really cool, and it knows when your thumbs are on there, so when they're off, it doesn't do that. Yep, yeah, that is really cool, man. I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot of thought that went into this thing, man. Oh yeah, it's I, I think directly it's a Switch competitor. Yeah. Um, oh but yeah. But Nishan in the in the chat says it looks like a PSV, and it kind of does. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the the thing that the thing that's gonna make it or break it is the battery. It's forty watt hour, but that yeah. doesn't really mean much. They're, they're I mean, two to eight hours. I'm like, uh, right? Like the the range is so mean? massive that <laughs> it doesn't even make any actual sense. And you'll you'll understand when you when you play with it. Right. And that's that's the kind of thing that I'm waiting for, right? So if like this forty watt hour battery really only plays for an hour, they were just being very generous with it, right? Like, right. oh, obviously you would have turned the brightness halfway down so that you could get the two hours, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see Why how that goes. Why do you need to see anything? Just a video right. game. Right, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate the number, but it doesn't, it's not going to tell us anything. Another until question we actually I have, get on it. I don't know if you guys know, but does it have a fan inside? Because it looks like it has exhausts. On the, it, on I the do bottom. believe, I do believe it does have a fan, but I'm not positive on that. Um, and, but I imagine it would only kick on uh, when you're in an extreme gaming situation yeah. and getting two hours of battery life, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be hopefully. Yeah, but I guess my uh, my big thing here is that um, you know expand your library with a micro SD card. That's that's my favorite, absolute yeah, favorite thing. That was that was definitely a good a good decision um, on their part, especially with the if you get the low version, the 64 gigabyte version. You're going to yeah. have to have a SD card. There's no way to get around that. Yeah. And I mean, I would go for the mid-grade version. I don't need the massive one. Yeah. But the way that they were well, kind of talking, it seemed like maybe it was user serviceable. I don't well, know. Yeah. The way it's set up, uh, the, the the 64 gig is EMMC. So I wouldn't expect that to be like user replaceable or anything. But that middle tier, it says right on it that it has an M.2. And if it has an M.2... You can replace it. Exactly, right? I mean, right. It, but you have companies no. like Mac and whoever that, that do have these NVMe drives that are M.2, but they are soldered on to yeah. like directly yeah. to a PCI slot. What I, what I said on, on uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic is it would be awesome if they could somehow get the connector for the M.2. You know how you got to put it in on an angle and then press down and then put the screw in? Yeah. Well, it'd be awesome if they could get the connector to just be able to slide in so you can slide in an MVME right from the top and and go right in. You can swap them out, you know, freely. Yeah. Do that something more like a, like a RAM stick or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's cool. 
it, what would be nice is if the low cost one, I know that one was like, what, 350 or $399, yeah. which is significantly less than the one with the M.2 in it, but you can pick up M.2s. Right. So if the lower cost one with the EMMC also has an M.2 option right. inside it already, I think, and you you upgrade yourself, I think it does as far as I heard. That would be the way to go. Yeah, that would be the way to go then. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put all my ROMs on a micro SD card, and if I can upgrade, I'll get the cheaper one. But if not, then I'll just get the uh, yeah, the middle. Agreed. middle. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know about that with the micro SD card. What do you mean? Because well, micro SD isn't very stable. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put anything and on an slow. SD card that I didn't have copied somewhere else. Well, if that there, SD card blows up, you know. Yeah. So there was a guy on YouTube that said uh, he was looking into this, and he was actually going to do uh, run some tests on an SD card on his uh, Razer laptop. And he said he was going to prove why it's bad for um, open world games where it's got to constantly render, you know, the, the oh, yeah, area. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. yeah. It, he said he said it's not going to work at all for those games because it, it, he's already tried it's it before, slow. but he's doing a whole, yeah, he's doing yeah, a whole thing. Yeah, the constant read writes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's why ROMs go on your SD card. Yeah, that's, <laughs> You read yeah. them oh, once, yeah. put them into memory, and you never read it again until you, but you know, close the game and start a new one putting this thing out like you can put games on the SD, like full-blown games that you can any game they never they didn't, they didn't give you a uh, you know a yeah, limit I've, I've done that before and uh, with tablets and it never worked out right. well yeah i think I people don't know, are maybe, be, maybe they're they're going to recommend a specific type of sd card or something like that because there are faster ones the, yeah. the 4k video ones would probably be yeah. okay yeah you know, but anyway uh, last, well, last little we'll thing see, on this yeah <laughs> The last little thing on this is you've got, uh, you can slap any old USB-C hub onto it and then plug it into a TV or a monitor and use it like an actual computer. I would hope so if it's running yeah. running Linux right. and it has a USB-C port on it. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Exact. It's an actual computer. Like, right. it is just a computer exactly. that looks exactly. like a switch that can do everything <laughs> a computer can do. And that is why I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Because of the flexibility that you have with a computer... But it's in your hands, has a screen built in. So I mean, it's a laptop, but even more portable, and has all the all the gaming things. Yeah, you could even put it. this to a dock with a GPU on it, and and get maybe more power I'd, out of it. Oh, maybe. Maybe I'd be more excited for it if it came with like a USB C cover or a cover with a keyboard on it or something. Mm. Or a slide out keyboard. Oh, good lord! You and your hardware keyboard. Yeah, true. Though. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I, I mean, miss my hardware if keyboards the on my keyboard, phone. If the slide-out keyboard had, you know, blue switches on it, then, yeah, I'd buy, like, five of them. Yeah. But you can't make blue switches that small. Yeah. All right. So, uh, a couple of things uh, on Firefox. We get a new release of Firefox this past week, and uh, we get a couple of things. One is no more FTP. So, um, yeah, say goodbye. If you're doing FTP in the browser, Mozilla will no longer directly open up FTP um, websites to log into and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think this was a long time coming. I think this is great. Um, but Mozilla also allows that you can just download an extension to handle FTP if you just have to have it in your um, uh, just in your thing, in your, in your browser, I guess. Um, yeah, that's a smart way. Choose, let the people choose if they want to open a hole in their system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's don't, basically don't it. FTP is useful, but, you know, SFTP exists. Yeah. Right. What's the big difference? I mean, I obviously know it's it's um, encrypted, Encryption. but uh, yeah. what's the what's the hurdle between using those two, like, to switch from FTP to SFTP? 
It's just two totally separate protocols that don't talk yeah. together. So, okay. I mean, you, you would yeah, have okay. to set you would have to set up a whole new. Basically, right. the people that wrote SFTP wrote it from the ground up. Okay. They did not take anything from FTP. Yeah. Right. So that's why and, everyone's kind of annoyed that they can't use it because it's not like you could just switch right over to it. I mean, I guess you just go download FileZilla that's available in every single Linux <laughs> repository ever and just use that. That's fine. But, I mean, or or get the extension in Firefox. So I mean, right. they're they're taking it out of the browser for security reasons, and you can put it back for anti-security reasons <laughs> if you want. So I mean, that's that's the deal, right? You still have the choice to to make your stuff insecure, but you know that's up to you. the uh, The other thing is uh, you can set up exceptions to HTTPS only mode. So Firefox has had HTTPS only or um, or the upgrade thing right it was the EFF was uh, produced a extension that was https anywhere is that right yeah yep and uh, firefox uh, just folded in that ability to the browser itself so everything is https first and then you can go through and decide you know whether or not and uh, so there are exceptions to that now in uh, version 90 where you can go into about preferences hash privacy and go set up extension, uh, exceptions. So if you want the website to render an HTTP first, you can go set that up as well. So again, choice. You want it insecure? That's fine. But you got to go do it yourself. <laughs> and a nice little thing is uh, print to PDF. So if you you know right click on a, a on a page or something like that, and you print it, or where is it? Where is it? Right here. Control P on a page. Uh, whenever there are hyperlinks in that page, the hyperlinks will now work. In the PDF, so that's kind oh, of cool. that's cool. That's actually really cool. that actually is really cool. Yep, there was um, another upgrade. I, I don't think any of these are Linux related. Uh, rare crash on shutdown. I think a lot of these are um, just little bug fixes that we'll probably get in Linux Mint in a little bit. Uh, but we should already be on ninety. And then, oh yeah, look at that fixed menu styling on some GTK themes. So yeah, some Linux stuff that uh, that should be coming down here pretty. And uh, Clayton and Telegram added a link to 20 terabyte hard drives. Josh, you already got three of these on pre-order or what? I wish. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't even... Right? I, I could just forget about RAID at that point. Oh, my gosh, right? I, w I wish I could do that. Like, if I could afford 12 terabyte hard drives, 15, whatever, I, I mm -hmm. wouldn't even use RAID because I, I, I'd be set for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I said the exact same thing I'm going to say now when the 16 terabyte hard drives came out. Uh-huh. Good. That means that there will be more eight terabytes on the market. Exactly. So that way I'm paying less money for those. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. I that's don't great, need, I don't thought. even need a single to, I don't, I don't even have that much storage total. No. Um, I so I would either. be fine with, you know, one of those, but, um, cause you know, they're going to be insanely expensive at this point. Yeah. Oh, oh but, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the thousands of dollars. Probably. Yeah. It will push down the price of everything else. Yeah, don't, yeah absolutely. Don't the higher terabyte ones need to use helium, or is that just a different technology? Some do. Okay. I don't know. Um, there were 20 terabyte enterprise hard drives that were using helium. Okay. But um, I, I don't know if these use helium or not. Let's I don't see. know much hammer about it. Hammer technology. What is hammer? Ooh, that sounds fancy. <laughs> sounds oh, bad, actually, for a hard drive. <laughs> Heat-assisted magnetic recording. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So not helium based. Not yeah, not no. that I can see. Look at the head on this thing. Oh my right. god! <laughs> wow, that's how many platters that's are a lot in of there? Parts. Yeah, that is. Holy crap! Jeez. I mean, I really hope. What oh the wow, heck it's, happened there? 
multi-actuator. So there's there's more than one. What happened Ooh. where? Did we lose the live for a second or something? Am I, I the know. only one that heard it? Was something on my computer? Maybe it I was on your computer? It. Had to be. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so using Hammer. Ooh, it sounds so strong. We can get 20 <laughs> terabyte uh, SMR hard drive. So SMR, that was uh, shingled is the type of drive that everybody got all in a tizzy about yeah. a, few year, a couple of years ago when some of these uh, NAS uh, drive producers um, didn't tell you. And then there was a huge performance oh, hit for Western having the Digital. SMRs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't just Western Digital. I know Seagate, um, Seagate didn't have a lot of it. I, I, know, I know that in their Iron Wolf series, there were none. Right. But I think they do have SMR drives. They just right. they didn't. But I think I think Western Digital didn't tell you, and and right. Seagate did tell you. That yeah, they it were. was they were trying the, to hide it. Yeah, in the reds underneath a certain capacity, they were all SMR, and then people were right. having failures and performance degradation and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, these this first batch of twenty terabytes don't run out and buy those if you actually need no. performance out of it. <laughs> um, so it looks like the the PMR drives are going to come out in the second half of twenty twenty one. So. I'd imagine, um, I don't know, round, round winter time is, is, would be my guess, but no telling. Just keep an eye out for that. If you, if you care about performance, try to avoid the SMRs and then go with the PMR that comes out a little later. It, it, even after they do come out, it's going to take a little while for other hard drives to start coming down in price. I uh, mean, yeah. I think the price right now for an 8 terabyte, you can pick them up for around $150 yeah. right. on Amazon. Yeah. So... Maybe they'll come down to 125. I guess we'll see. I hope when so. they can come cool. down below 100, I'll be happy. Then I can afford it. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for that, Clayton. And then uh, the Linux Foundation, go buy some crap. If um, if you want to donate, but you like to get something back, uh, this is this is it. I've uh, I've already spent my money. I've got plenty of stickers. I got a T-shirt back here. I got the. You can barely see it in the video, but the hats up there. Um, that's that's it. Go get yourself some stuff. These stickers are kind of cute. They're smaller than they look. I swear they're they're maybe two inches tall. Uh, so you know, don't expect huge stickers. I don't know why I expected them to be so big. It never actually said. It probably told me how big it was. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and uh, I just didn't pay attention. Oh, you know why? Look at that. That's why that picture. It ain't that big. It is not that big. Huh. It is. It is. It is. I mean, half the size of that. Like that, why? I think, is why. Why go through the the time and effort to to Photoshop it onto there when you could just stick it on and like I don't know whatever because the stock image company <laughs> that gave them this photo did it for them and did uh, not did not pay attention to the size. That's true. Yeah, that's what happened. That's true. Um, the hat though is hat sized, so you can buy one of those. I would imagine the mask is also mask sized. <laughs> uh, so go get some, some stuff. Some masks are smaller than others. Uh, it is true. And that does not look like a quality mask. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, it might be the insert kind you where know, you can put in the filter. It looks like a $6 mask. Seven inches wide, five inches tall. So if your face is massive, maybe not. But um, yeah, go um, if you want to support and get some cool swag. I guess it wouldn't be swag. It'd be merch. But um, yeah, go get some stuff and support the Linux Foundation at the same time. Yay! Uh, just a uh, public service announcement. If uh, you're on Ubuntu 2010, the Groovy Gorilla, uh, get off of it because it's dead now. It is no, dead. Not it's, the Groovy Gorilla. I know. They, they killed the Gorilla? They needed to save the Groovy Gorilla. I love I know. the Groovy that Gorilla, was, man. Like, I think that was one of the best names, yeah. if not the best name that they have ever yeah. had. It was, it was I, awesome. I, 
I appreciate that they have things like her suit hippo and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Be fun with it. I like the fun ones better. Yeah. And and, and nobody, Disco Dingo. That was a good yeah. one too. And nobody that cares about um, you know, Enterprise Ubuntu cares about the naming scheme. They're just this is twenty ten. This is I mean, they, actually, they don't care about anything that's that's likely not the LTS. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Be fun with it, man. Be fun with it. But they might go the way of uh, Android and just drop the naming altogether, which is probably... Uh, if that ever happens, I'll be sad. Yeah, well, and, uh, eventually. Yeah, No, it doesn't. It doesn't, though. <laughs> not that. So, one last thing. Uh, DebConf will start August 22. Uh, so, thanks, Felipe Maya, for that. Um, he came into Telegram and added that little tidbit of information. So, if you are interested in uh, DebianConf number 21... Uh, the registration is open since June 5. Go take a look at that. Get all signed up and join. Look at all those sponsors. Look at those. Yay. Google. I mean, look, Google relies on Linux Debian's more than Linux Google's relies pocket. on Google, man. <laughs> all right. That's it, man. That's how you know. That's how you know. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for the news. So let's head down to the security update. Just a mountain of information. Oop, this is actually the wrong link, but it's the same deal. So there's a couple of Linux kernel bugs that uh, <laughs> that came out uh, a little while ago. Let me see if I can't find uh, Clayton's link. His actually explained it just a little bit better. System D. There it is. Yeah. So there were a couple of bugs in Linux, man. That uh, and, and, and here's the thing. That's a lie. Not- there's never bugs in Linux. Uh, right, yeah, just just <laughs> things we haven't fixed yet, right? But uh, there were a couple of bugs in Linux that uh, allowed, essentially, the uh, privilege escalation. I mean, it, it, it allowed a lot of things. It's a buffer overflow. So here's the deal. Um, if you can create a directory structure that is larger than one gig, <laughs> right, right, exactly, that's already uh... a big ask. If you can do that, then you will overflow um, the memory in the file system and you'll you'll just be dropped down to a root prompt. So horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, Qualys actually put out a proof of concept bug or a proof of concept. Um, I, I, what's the word? Hack. My, my, my mind is just not here today. But anyway, an exploit, an exploit. That's the one. Uh, proof of concept and uh, to prove that this actually works. And hmm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I mean, that's so, a little scary if someone's got hold of your system, I guess. Right. Yep. That's it. And then, uh, so the the cool thing about this, though, is that, I mean, it was all disclosed properly. Everything was done the right way. Uh, Linux was able to, or I mean, the, the kernel devs were able to put out a patch before, you know, anything um, was, I guess, at least public. So if you're um, on Ubuntu or Debian or any of the derivatives, you've already got a patch, go just update. Just Run your updates, and you're going to be good to go. If you're on a faster-moving distro that lives on the current kernels, then 5.13.4 is what you want to get on, and you'll be patched. What about for the LTS kernel? Uh, no, the LTS kernel. Oh, the LTS kernel likely already has those patches. I don't know All what right. it is. I'm going to go look and make a wildly inappropriate statement <laughs> that um, 5.10.53, which was updated today, will likely have those patches. Probably. Yeah, so, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, 5.10.53, go get on that one. 5.4.135, go get on that one. I got that, that update one. today. Yeah, 
And then if you're on uh, if you're on main line or if you're on the stable kernel, five dot thirteen dot four, but uh, dot five is already out. So yeah, just, just they're so fast. Where, whatever <laughs> I know, seriously, man, these guys are fantastic. So whatever Linux you're on, as long as they don't do crazy weird things with the kernel, um, go update and you'll be safe from this particular thing. So, but this was a remote code execution as well. As long as folks had like access to create uh, directories somewhere. So yeah, it it wasn't really that easy to exploit unless you already have ad, had had access to the system, but still, still not good, man, not good. So anyhow, keep an eye on that one. Uh, there's an update on Print Nightmare after about five or so. <laughs> yeah, five patches. <laughs> patches. It still doesn't um, work. <laughs> yeah, I I think we're good there's... as far. Okay, so the patches fix Print Nightmare. But you also have a new printing nightmare in which you can't print. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. hey, That's the right, like, if, if you followed our advice the last episode, which was to go turn off the print spooler, that likely broke printing for you. But, I mean, the patch did that for you, too. So, you know, just pick your poison. I'd go turn the sprint pooler off, go uh, print <laughs> print spooler um, back on, apply the newest Windows patches, and let that break your printing, and then when a new patch <laughs> comes out that fixes your printing, your printing will be fixed. So right? Windows so is now Linux. A print server and have it run Linux. Yes, put your <laughs> printer on a Cups Raspberry Pi, uh, a Raspberry Pi running Cups, and you wouldn't have had this issue. Yeah, but uh, there are other issues that you would have run into eventually. But I mean, you know, you know. So any anyway, um, yeah. So how many how many were there? I think there were three out of band patches that were that were produced to fix this none of them fully fixed it yeah. and then this month's patch tuesday fixed it i think broke it well okay it fixed, fixed the it issue and, <laughs> and then broke printing altogether so if you've got a windows machine that you're having trouble printing you probably applied the newest updates you can either a roll back and make yourself vulnerable or b wait for another patch that fixes printing to fix printing so eh, you don't need printing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you can print to PDF. Firefox will do that and the links work, right? That's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh <laughs> uh, man. So yeah. So when you print the PDF, the do the links still work? Well, that's the deal, right? That's what <laughs> Firefox added. Oh no, oh, when you print on your printer. <laughs> you know, I guess I, not I would guess not. So Firefox <laughs> is better than actually printing out the page, see? <laughs> Oh man! So um, the last little thing that we have in our uh, in our security digest is a digest update. I don't know. I'm telling <laughs> you, man, the brain's just not here today. Security uh, digest. Yeah, security <laughs> digest. Um, is that Kaseya? So we reported on Kaseya last time as well. We did a Kaseya print nightmare uh, pair, and then updates on both of those. So Kaseya, there is now a un or a decryptor for anybody that is affected by Kaseya. Um, so yeah, if, if you'd gotten hit by Kaseya and you are still in the figuring out stages of what to do because you didn't have backups, because why would you have backups? Um, there is a decryptor out there now. So yeah, go dig that up. That will likely help you out and, uh, maybe get you back to a working state. But, uh, just as a recommendation, after you've decrypted everything, uh, nuke and pave, nuke and pave. 
that once you have spyware or adware or malware or any kind of wear on your machine, there's no way you can be guaranteed that it's don't gone. Don't try to save your system. No, just nuke and pave. I don't care what operating system you're on, just nuke and pave. All right. Well, that does it for the security update. So let's head down to our wandering. Joe, you actually wandered, like for real, I with did, your legs. What? A couple of times. Why? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I haven't done much with tech lately, but I did go for a lovely mountain hike with my wife, mm. and that that was super fun. We went to um, Eisenhower State Park. Cool. I don't know if you've ever been there. No, I haven't. Uh, nope. Well, you're close by, Leo. You should go. It was a good hike. And we're talking about like once a month trying to get out there, but with the kids back, that might be difficult and mm-hmm. finding time and... Yeah, and it uh, means I'll probably miss some Saturday shows, but that's not a big deal. Um, tech-wise, so far on those trips, the only things I really need are my, my phone, my Bluetooth headset. I carry a spare, small Bluetooth well, headset. Well, you need a headset for you got to listen to your wife. Well, <laughs> we, we like to walk and, like, look around us. And then, I got yeah, you. Yeah, we don't okay. talk a lot on the hiking, but... You, you know, got you got to do it like they do present. in the aircrafts, where like your your microphone is directly into her headphones, so you can talk <laughs> while things no, are happening, good. man. I'm good. I, I'm sure she appreciates the quiet. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than the the two headsets that I bring, um, I also bring a small battery backup with the with a small USB C cable and a small USB micro cable. Um, I did have a small issue with the battery being too warm to you know output power which I'll have to look into. It shouldn't be too hard to solve. I'm thinking just um, put it into the pocket on the backpack next to the one that has the ice cold water bottle. Mm-hmm. So that, that should help keep the temperatures down. Not a whole lot of tech carrying there. Um, I was able to get my 3D printer up and running for now. I, I swapped the nozzle out and found out that I was getting a bit of seepage of plastic between the nozzle and the PTFE tubing. So it was coming out around the heat block. Um, so I was able to get those a little bit closer together. I'm going to need to replace the PTFE tubing with a bit of Capricorn tubing if I want to do uh, materials that require you to get a little bit warmer and work on my settings again. But that shouldn't be too much so of a problem. Is that, I do, is that a different issue than you were having before with the box getting uh, moisture in it? Or there was snagging or something was happening? Oh, um, yeah, that's a completely separate oh, issue. Okay. Um, it actually might not have been as much of an issue as I thought it was with that um, um, rubber tubing right. kind of uh, becoming more tacky. It might be this issue because as the material was seeping out and hardening and um, softening and hardening, it was restricting flow through the PTFE tube. So um, the pressure that was being put on it to go through just wasn't enough. Uh, which is why initially removing that piece of rubber allowed more freedom of movement so it worked for a little while longer. So I can probably put that piece back on and help keep out moisture a little bit more, and it should work. So that this might have actually been the only problem there. And I did pick up some uh, Capricorn tubing, but I, I want to use the current PTFE tubing that's there until it's like completely done, you know. And then um, the PTF, the Capricorn tubing, you get enough to do it, do it basically twice. So, um, and I do know that on the one end where you're sliding in 
the filament you got to kind of bevel the inside of it to make it a little bit easier right so it doesn't grab yeah right right so it doesn't get caught up on the edge when you're trying to slide it initially into it and so i've been printing again um i printed several replacement y brackets for some skull candy hash 3 headphones and got those up and running again with a couple more to go my kids absolutely love those headphones and i have not heard any complaints from uh listener dustin who got one from from me for his kids he's just being nice man he's just being nice it could be it could be (laughs) but you know um yeah we haven't talked a little while in telegram but uh he he does know how to get a hold of me on there and let me know if they break because he knows i'll just print out some more and send them to him um so i have some more headphones to get rid of now eventually uh, both my daughters have one of these headphones, and and like I said, they love them, and they they use them more than the crushers that I gave them, mostly because the 3D printed Y arms hold together better than the Hesh 3s, as opposed to the 3D printed hinges for the crushers. Joe, do you it still have any a- uh, Mincast stickers? No. Oh Did man, I, I was gonna I was gonna say stickers? if they buy the uh, the headphones, then you could just send them a sticker. <laughs> did I ever have any Mincast stickers? Oh, I don't, I don't know. We, we bought some a while back, long while back. I think, I don't uh, think I got any. Tony got some. I got some. Uh, somebody else got some, too. It, it, but my kids, it took them about one and a half years to wear out those Y arms. And like I, with the new set that I printed, I, I just swapped out their old headsets with uh, some of the ones that I had just fixed from that uh, large set of broken ones I got a, a few months back. So I have... I have like six more Y arms to print because I got two more full headsets and then their headsets one side on each. So that, that'll that'll be fun. As also means I'm starting to whittle down the number of broken headphones that I have from that giant box. Um, and I haven't had any luck selling the nicer ones on Facebook Marketplace, but I'm not too worried about that. They'll either move or on them end up giving them away as presents or something. I got a couple of really nice ones left. Like the, um, what was it, the the ATH M50Xs, the Audio-Technicas, those are awesome. Right. Now, I don't necessarily like them because I don't like the padding on them. They're very narrow and they kind of sit on my ear, but they do sound great. I have not had a chance to fix it yet, but my daughter had a hard drive go bad on her laptop like last night, which I don't find surprising because I put an older one in there when I got it. I think it was a year. I think she's had it a year now. But in the meantime, she is using one of my Linux Mint laptops to get her by. Um, maybe I'll make a convert out of her yet. Drove to Mississippi to pick up my other two kids yesterday. That was a fun day of driving. And my younger two kids are now home and getting ready for school. And fun times. That's expensive. Yeah. On the uh, yeah. on the drive thing, though, I had uh, my daughter, too. Um, she has a little desktop. And it had a 64 gig SSD in it because all she really does is just watches a show or two or something like that or play PBS Kids, something like that. And um, yeah, uh, that drive, I think, is 10, was 10 years old before it just decided to take a dump on me. Uh, she was in the middle of watching a show, paused it, and then came back later and then played it and it wouldn't play and then went back to the Plex web, you know, Plex web interface and then nothing was loading up. And so we rebooted it. And then I finally saw it where the disc was like, uh, you know, can't read block, 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 block. I popped it into an external little reader thing, little toaster. And uh, yeah, nothing, man. I think the controller broke. But I got her her onto a 128 gig 
so she got an upgrade out of the deal, but it's uh, it's still an older drive because she still doesn't really do much with it. But uh, yeah, she so got an upgrade I, out of I the deal. I had that happen to one of my drives too. And what I did with it was is I turned it into a um, Ventoy stick, and it actually has been working just fine doing that. Oh yeah, I, 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 I can't think... boot an OS off of it at all. But if I use it as Ventoy, it's fine. How weird. Well, sometimes even with like a messed up hard drive or a hard drive that gets a bad sector on it or something, the bad sector happens in a place where it just messes with the operating system. So you can install an right. operating system on it again and, and have it work yep. for a while. But you're going to get start getting a cascade effect with bad sectors and yeah. things. And that wasn't so this. All I'm gonna, yeah, all, all, all I'm going to do here is I'm going to drive over to Micro Center, I'm going to pay 20 bucks for a 120 gig SSD, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put that in there, and if it works two, three years, then I've gotten my money out of it yeah. more than. Yeah, and, so. I mean, the, and you're yeah. talking like the Inland brand that they have there at Micro yeah. Center? Yeah, yeah. The, and I'm just such a nerd that uh, I'll buy them when they're on sale. Like, if I've got extra cash and, you know, it's like 10 bucks off or something like that, I'll, I'll just pick them up. Half off. Yeah, oh, but yeah. they're cheap. They're they're still you know faster than spinning disk yeah, yeah they're 120 gigs so you so you can't put a lot on there but you know what they're 20 bucks and they work well you just buy one of those 20 terabyte hard drives we were talking about before and just put all your stuff there and then you could just <laughs> go with little tiny SSDs all the time but yeah uh, there's no coming back for this SSD I ripped it apart. Yeah, um, <laughs> took a bunch of pictures um, of it and all that, but yeah, it, the, the controller died, so I would have to remove the controller controller yeah. and put a new one on, which I am not capable of. And even with Joe's expertise, I don't even know if Joe would be capable of. Uh, yeah, there are some things that are just too small for even yeah. even me to. And I, work I think on. that's that was the issue. So it didn't show up in any operating system. Didn't show up in Windows. Didn't show up on three different um, other Linux machines. It just it's dead. It was yeah, dead, that's dead. definitely dead then. Yeah, I, I, I wanted. I was planning on see this or not. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. This is a little controller for um, a set of uh, HyperX Cloud headphones. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, man. I'm, I wouldn't touch that but with a dude. Anything. Yeah, these these are so tiny that unless I was willing to, you know, if one of the uh, capacitors or resistors needed replacing, I'd have to be willing to replace everything mm. around it at the same time yeah, too, no. because it's so freaking small. Yeah, I'd just no. Yeah, it's that's, not worth that's it at that point. Pretty small. <laughs> yeah, it's microscopic. But since, since we're eating up time here, and I think the uh, news ran a little long. We. Um, let me see. Where was I? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh, I did want to mention that my kids do have like tech on the road so my son has like one of the original ipad tablets that he can still get onto like my plex with he can't get onto netflix with it because they keep changing the netflix application and making it so that it won't load on there but uh he can still do plex with it so it works out for him and the screen on those things is still awesome even as old as they are um and i went back to the office for the first time in a year and a half and picked up all my stuff and you can really tell that, you know, I wasn't planning on being gone for that long because there was still, like, my jar of coffee there, which, yeah, that got thrown away. <laughs> oh, my God. And I then, had so I still have, like, I haven't back to the office. There's I know there's something I forgot. Dude, I'm not going I, back. I, have, I had, like, my collection of hot sauces there. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those had to go. And... But I, I was able to pick up some of the cool stuff that, I, that you know, I was using there on a 
daily basis, like my uh, keyboard that I'm using right here, the Red Dragon with the uh, blue switches in it. Um, so I also, a bunch of uh, high power chargers and a couple of high power hubs and things like that. So I got to bring all that back from the office. And it was really weird walking in there after like a year and a half and it being all empty and everything still. And I know that they're gonna completely remodel and we might get in there sometime uh, first quarter of next year. And I don't know how they're gonna set it up. They're talking about putting everybody in agile space, but considering the, the state of like COVID and now the super fungus, that doesn't seem like a very good idea, does it? <laughs> Putting everybody at a giant open table. That sounds fun. No, no. Oh, my eldest daughter finished the in-class portion of driver's ed this week. So I should cool. be able to get a bit more time to do things. Although I, we are going to be spending like um, an hour a day driving because she has to get like 32 hours of driving practice log so that she can get her license. Yeah. I'm sure that will be harrowing. Eh, it won't be too um, bad. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'll let you teach her. <laughs> yeah, just put put me on an iPad in the car and yeah, I'll be like, yeah, no, no, too no, fast, no, too fast. No, you know, good. let let just off the strap gas. You to the to the head the headrest. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep it straight. Every day. Keep it straight. Just let off the gas. Every day. Hour a day. You gotta accelerate <laughs> through the turn. Don't break through the turn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my in-laws actually got me something really nice for my birthday. Um, a set of helping hands with a ring light. But the uh, the alligator clips portion um, comes with uh, a replaceable adapter that can hold my phone. Um, and also the ring light has a magnifying glass on it. This is going to be very helpful if I decide to do more soldering videos. Um, I did have to do a slight bit of modification because the clip on the end wasn't strong enough to actually hold up my phone. So you'd put the phone in and then it'd just like fall over. So now it's screwed into my work table and it did have a little hole in the bottom where I, I could just screw through that directly into the table. It, it's a simple low cost gift, but I find it very thoughtful and I do like it a lot. So I can set up that ring light and have my phone right there and then use my other helping hands and, and to hold the part and get a proper view on, of it from above and show off what I'm doing as I'm doing it. That's super cool, man. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's how you know they care. They care hey, enough to know enough thoughtful. about you to get you something that's actually useful. Yeah. It, 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 honestly, this is this is weird for them to actually get me thoughtful gifts. Like All right, the, <laughs> the last, last gift that they got me um, was also very thoughtful, a, a set of, like, screwdrivers, a really nice set of small... Um, jewelers screwdrivers hmm. with the um, um, the little box that you can run the screwdriver through to make it magnetic or non-magnetic. Mm. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, it, it they've been nice to me this year. That's cool. Yeah, usually mine are <laughs> like, uh, all right, where do you want the gift card from? <laughs> right, exactly. Or, or hey, uh, I hope you like these socks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or hey, something man, like that. The older I get, the more I appreciate socks. So, yeah, uh, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I as my kids start doing more and more of the laundry, I appreciate having like a clean pair, like actual pair of matching mm. socks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. But, um, Leo, what have you been up to? Yeah, says the guy uh, concerned about time. <laughs> I 
have been uh, playing with Butter FS. Um, Josh, really? you have you have disappointed me. You no. have you have left me. I you, you get me. I no, no. Have Here's the to deal. Defend myself. No, okay? you will. I'll, I'll give you time to defend yourself. But let me tell you <laughs> something, okay? You come onto this show, and then you're like, you know what's great? Butter FS. Let me tell you why. And then I get real excited about it. I'm like, wow, that that's not that's no joke. It's it's built into the kernel. It's part of every operating system. I don't know why I wouldn't use it. It seems to have way better things that um than than ext4 it integrates directly with time shift there's all these benefits to it and then i start doing some digging and figuring it out and i think now i'm actually now at the point where i, th- I i'm pretty convinced that i'm just going to nuke and pave everything and just start over with butterfs because with a little bit of work in linux mint and i i assume this is ubuntu's handy handiwork so yep. thank you ubuntu um, you go into the installer, you, all you have to do is the manual partitioning, you create your EFI partition if that's what you want, and then the rest of it is ButterFS, just one big old ButterFS, and then yep. just press next, and you're done. And then at home and at root are created automatically. So the, the, the beautiful part about this is that in TimeShift, I'm not even joking, you start TimeShift, you, you um, do the new session, like you create uh, I don't know, the little checkbox. And then you click finish. That's it. That's all you do. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to press buttons. You don't have to make decisions. There's nothing. Open yeah. up time shift, click okay. And now you have snapshots for the rest of your days. No matter what dumb choice you make, it will fix it as long as the, the dumb choice that you made was not in at home. Because by default, it just does root which is, you know, if, if an update breaks your system, if a kernel doesn't work, if you just need to roll back real quick or something like that, it'll handle that. You can that. also have it do at home, too. You can. You can. and But that will take probably a lot more space because, yeah. I mean, Over as time. you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it'll handle it. That's that's one choice, one checkbox. It go, it's in the wizard. You don't even really have to worry too much about it. You check the box and you're done. But it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic and while i haven't done any benchmarks i swear to you it's faster i it swear it's faster than ext4 like i i know i'm really splitting hairs here when i say i click a button on i click firefox and on ext4 it's like instant and you but, you haven't done any tuning right no no i'm telling you if everything you do is the tuning you will notice a difference so so you're telling me that on ext4 i click on firefox it's instant and then on ButterFS with no tuning, I click on Firefox and it's more instant. I don't know how that's physically possible, <laughs> but I swear to you it's true. And you're telling me I can get even more speed out of this? Mm-hmm. Do I have to do funky things with the kernel? All you got to do is go into um, uh, FS tab and uh, just add some um, uh, options. To the FS tab. So there are options already created. I'll have to go in. I only have it. I only have this done on one system. I haven't gone, you know, full new contain yeah, yet. I, as far as I know, the only options that it does now, this I haven't done it in a while. I haven't installed it um, and actually looked in it. But the only options that I know of are it, it does um, it sets your sub volumes as uh, as your um, root and and home. Because that's where it says sub volume equals home, sub volume equals root. That it does that, but then all it does other than that is just say default, and all the default oh. settings of ButterFS are applied. Okay, there's and other so, things that you can add to it if you just if you well you can still have the default there, but then you can add other things to it. Like you can mm-hmm. tell it to be specific to SSDs, 
which is it already does that with default. It, it mm-hmm. detects what it is, but there's other things you can also add to it. I have a whole, uh, not a script, but a whole, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? A uh, text file that you add to the installer so that mm-hmm. it actually applies these while you install it. Cool. And, okay, uh, I'm gonna it, need to steal that yeah. from you. Yeah, but, I can um, get it to you. I have cool. it. <laughs> So the, the last straw, the thing that really made me consider doing this was um, I did a R-Sync time shift. So time shift using R-Sync, which I think is the default. That's the I default, think. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it You can works. still do that it's, with ButterFS, too. Like, if right. you have ButterFS, you can use the R-Sync part of it if, right. if you want to. I don't know why, but uh, is that maybe, what you're you know, saying you did? Uh, that's what I used to do. Well, that's oh, okay. what I'm still doing on the machines that don't have ButterFS on it yet. But um, right. but. R-Sync, the, the, the fix in TimeShift, when you're doing the rollbacks using R-Sync, they seem to be way, way more hit or miss to me than the ButterFS ones do. And I oh, know yeah. Definitely. Uh, when, when Moss was on here, he complained about it too, where, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes it would fix it and sometimes it wouldn't. So uh, the, the handful of times I've done it with ButterFS, it's been faster than R-Sync and it's worked every single time. I mean, yep. I, I installed software. Seriously, this is how I, the first time I did it, the, the, what I did was I installed some software. Uh, well, I took a snapshot in TimeShift, uh, installed some software, reverted to the TimeShift uh, uh, snapshot, rebooted, software was gone. So, I mean, just like little things like that. Like I accidentally installed something and messed with the config file and whatever, and I don't want to do that anymore. Boom, easy, TimeShift. Now, the stuff done. that anything that got added to your home, your right. at home is going to still be there. Right. If you do it and you didn't set that up as a thing. So that's one right. thing you got to worry about if you're, you know, adding and removing a lot of stuff from root and it's putting stuff in home. If you don't got a lot of space, then it might, you know, fill that up. But. Exactly. And and right, because uh, TimeShift doesn't allow you with ButterFS uh, to do separate drives, right? Like you can't. No, snow, no, no, no. You, you have right. to put it on that. But it, it, a caveat to that, which I wish they would just add it to TimeShift, but you can use... Um, ButterFS send and receive to send mm-hmm. that snapshot to another drive. Right, now, right, right. So, I don't feel like it would be that hard for them to add it to time shift, but I don't think it's on their radar at all. I don't know. Well, let me let me just say if um, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh wow, yeah, cool time shift, go give TG Tech some money uh, to keep yeah, working on yeah. this. Go buy time shift. You don't have to buy it. I mean, it's here. It's built into Linux Mint. It's no big deal. But you can go buy it from his website and you know fund his amazing work so yeah. go go do that if you've got some extra cash and you and you want to support time shift and you you like what they're doing and all that kind of thing go go support them that's that's huge but okay i'll i'll, I'll get off my my ButterFS uh high horse and josh you're gonna tell me why you hate butter butterfs now is that is that what happened i don't hate <laughs> butterfs all right Oh but man! You left me. You left me high and dry, Josh. I did not leave you high and dry. All my root <laughs> file systems are all ButterFS. Okay? okay. 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 All right. I tried once, only once, Ubuntu with the ZFS install uh-huh. once, and it was a disaster. Okay. 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 So wait. So, so you're so you're back on ButterFS. You're back on this train. Uh, yeah. I, I've always been on ButterFS. Beautiful. I only tried ZFS once on the root. You know. Now, I, I, I think, was just the one time. I, I think the reason why <laughs> I think the reason why is because in Discord your little uh, emoji circle yeah. is open ZFS. Well, okay, let me let me explain that. Now okay. the only reason I'm using ZFS on my storage for mm. my for my backups and my plex and all that stuff is because 
I don't have money to buy these 20 terabyte hard drives and I needed more space. So I needed to use RAID 5. Now, Leo, would you use RAID 5 with ButterFS? I wouldn't use RAID 5 with any file system. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And the only file system that I have seen that is that is at all decent with RAID 5 is ZFS. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because I need more storage. And that's the only reason I did it because I can get an extra drive out of it. So did you use RAID Z1 then? RAID Z1, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. see, okay, RAID Z1 is not RAID 5. It, like, well, like, no, that's what I mean. That's, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I should clarify that. You're right. It is not RAID 5. It is RAID Z1. There yeah. is only one type of RAID Z, and that's with ZFS, and it's totally different than RAID. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's a software implementation. From a bird's eye view, it looks like RAID 5, but there's a, there, there's a lot more stuff right. going on underneath that... that gives your data more protection but works <laughs> the, you know actually and and uh hank sent in an email asking why i hated uh raid and i mean this is kind of part of it right i mean the cost is a big part of it right and so i don't hate raid i'm just really afraid of raid 5 and raid z1 no allays totally a lot understand. of those fears yeah so i'm yeah, I, I get I'm, it. I'm just messing with you though no, no, no. I, I totally get why RAID is, is, is scary, because if you actually look at the underpinnings of what it is doing, especially RAID 5 and RAID 6, it's scary, because it's like, it's like just kind of, it's not guessing, but it seems like it's guessing what your stuff yeah. is to rebuild the, the rest of the file system. Well, the, no, the, the checksums, <laughs> I mean, the checksums really only come out one way, so you're going right. to get your data back. But the thing that really right. scares me, though, is that during a rebuild, especially with the size of the drives, it was fine when the drives were 80 gigs back then. Right. And the rebuilds didn't take days. But we're talking, we've got 4 terabyte, 8 terabyte, 12, 16, 18 right. terabyte drives now. You're you're really going to sit there for two and a half days straight and let that thing rebuild and feel confident that not another single drive is going to die? I, right, that's, yeah. That's too, that's too yeah, far I for me. I haven't done a rebuild yet, which I, I probably just should for test purposes, but... Uh, supposedly, um, ZFS 2.0 dramatically increased the, they call it resilvering of the drives, mm-hmm. the speed of it. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. I don't know how fast it's going to be, but um, they said they r- dramatically increased it. So I, yeah, I, I should probably do a dry run. Faster on the CPU, run. faster on the CPU, you know, recreating all of that stuff out of the, right. uh, the parity. But, I mean, you're still beholden to how fast your drives can write all that stuff. There's no, there's no right. speeding up of that. That is no, just what it yeah, is. No, right. Mm. You're you're right. You're absolutely right about that. So yeah, I, I still use ButterFS. I Good. still use it, and okay. I will always use it. <laughs> I will I will pick your brain then from here until the rest of eternity until I get everything working, uh, ButterFS wise. I'm I'm totally um, sold, man. It's so good. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess Proxmox. Uh, I've been using that on my servers. Uh, that's pretty nice. I I didn't know what it really was. Until I actually installed it and, and started researching it. And mm. it's actually using Debian. Yeah. But they swap out the kernel for the Ubuntu kernel, the, the newest kernel, the 5.11. My, and then I had, they I had also, a thought about this. I had a thought about this. Um, why wouldn't they use the Debian LTS kernel? And then I had another thought about this. Ubuntu signs their kernels. So they right. are compatible with Secure Boot. Right. That is my thought as to why they're using the 5.11 as opposed that's to the one Debian th- That's one reason. The other reason is that Ubuntu has a really good um, integration with ZFS oh. in their kernel. So it's loaded before the system has to, you know, deal with it. And it's signed. Yeah, and it's signed. Yep. Uh, yep. There, there probably are other reasons, but those are the main two reasons that I saw. Um, okay. 
and they have ZFS 2.0. Well, it's higher than 2.0 installed by default, which is amazing. It's nice to just be able to load your disks up and not have to actually worry about uh, loading the kernel modules and all that crap and having it break. Because that's right. what happens a lot with ZFS is if, if the kernel module doesn't load correctly, it'll break and everything just goes south yep, yep. <laughs> at that point. Um, so, yeah, I've been using that, and I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a real curve to try to learn it because it's not anything I've ever used before. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, there's a lot to, there's a lot to do with it. <laughs> yeah. I but, use, um, I use the, the corporate version ESXi. So VMware's oh, yeah, uh, version yeah. of this, but I mean, that, that's pretty much what Proxmox is, but it's got right. the ability to do containers. Whereas uh, a lot of these right. ESXi boxes, ESXi and, boxes can't. Yeah. I, I mean, the best thing about it is it's Debian underneath. So you can literally install whatever you want on it if you need to, which is actually kind of what I'm doing to bootstrap it until I learn how to do the VMs and everything correctly. Right. I, I actually installed snaps on it and I'm using the Plex snap because I, oh. it's just, it's the fastest way to, to get Plex going, period. I, I don't see. care what anyone says. The Docker is crazy. I've had so many fails with that. Man, I just installed their dev, man. It's, it's good. I, I don't just see. don't want, I just don't want everything spewed all over. Like once I get, once I get the, the VM um, situation working, that I can just, you know, log in to the VM from anywhere, you know, because you got to do the pass through so that you can um, log into the web service through the IP address and all this stuff right. with Plex. Uh, the Docker version is probably just as fast. Well, oh, yeah. there's more yeah. setup to it. The, the snap That's the is thing. literally I, I've snap I've always installed. had problems with the Docker version getting it set up in the first place. That's well, my the only, only thing. real problem I've ever had with the Docker version, because, you know, once you create your, um, your, your, settings full file right yeah it, as long as you save that everything will work just fine now do you use but docker only, compose uh no oh you that. should um, see, so see i use docker I compose should, but you know i just before docker compose i started using my notes just mm. to keep the whole command there so all i right. have to do is copy and paste the command and then it sets it up just the way that i want it right. but um no the only real problem i've ever had with the docker version is updating Okay. Oh, and that's, that's why you need to use Docker Compose, Docker. Joe. Seriously, the, the 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 biggest benefit that I think that Docker Compose brings not only is that you don't have to spew the entire command into the into the command line itself, is that to upgrade Docker Compose down, Docker Compose up, you've upgraded. Everything is done. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah. That's that is what's nice well, about that. Because of the issues that I started having with um, VPNs updating in causing basically my docker containers to break i've mm. really moved pretty far away from docker at this point oh man i'm and i'm, I'm so. going the opposite way man I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to using docker all yeah, over yeah I, I love Podman. Podman with docker is, is a beautiful combination mm. it's amazing because you don't have to use the root to do anything Podman's all on the user level so wow it's, so extra buffer nice. yeah it's like really it. nice i, I cool. would only use Podman with with docker if i used it but um well I will start using Docker again uh, once, once some of the images that I like get updated, if right. people are still updating them, yeah. and um, like a, a version of VPN that I can route traffic through starts working again. WireGuard. <laughs> or WireGuard. You know, if a version that uses WireGuard and PIA starts, you know, implementing WireGuard, then I'll use that. There you go. All right. Uh, so, yeah. 
Proxmox. Yeah, I'm getting used to the the uh, VM, so it's it's gonna take me a little bit to actually get that going. But I have the Snap version running straight on the system for now until I get that going. So at least I have a bootstrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Snap is good. Keep using it. There's nothing wrong. With yeah, it. yeah. I I don't see anything wrong with that, especially since it's proprietary anyway. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see here. So yeah, my HP Proliant. Proliant? Is that how you pronounce Pro-Liant it? Proliant is always how Pro-Liant. I heard it. Proliant. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, that server, I got a couple of upgrades for that because the battery and the RAID controller died. So, oh, no. Yeah, I, I just got a, a RAID controller that's um, uh, flashed with the IT firmware so that I can just pass right through the disks oh, to ZFS. Oh, beautiful. And, yeah, yep, for ZFS, yeah. That's ex- exactly what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. And that one I'm going to use... RAID Z2, so I have two drives that are, you know, that can fail, because um, I, I still need more storage, because I only have 500 gig drives on that one. I have eight of them, but I want as much as I can get, because, yeah. yeah, I have I have a lot of stuff. You're, you're a braver <laughs> man than I. Yeah, well, well, I have I have four backups of everything, so I'm not too worried about it. Right, right. At that point. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Now you're fine, then. Yeah, I, I'm par- paranoid with that, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess Paranoia I defended my honor. So you did. We did. We. I. Yeah. You defended <laughs> your honor. I. I feel good about it. You're on ButterFS. We're all good. I use both. I'm. 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 Uh, what do they call it? Pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. That's it, man. <laughs> all right. So I guess that's all for me. Cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for the show. So our announcements, of course, next episode, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on August 8th, 2021. Come on in and tune in for that. Come join in, have a conversation with us while we're doing this whole thing. If you don't know what time that is, uh, we got a link in the show notes for you to get it converted to your time zone or just check out YouTube. It's got all that stuff figured out for you. Um, And the live stream, which will be next Saturday. So that'll be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on July 31st. Uh, we got a time zone link for that one as well. Or again, just check out YouTube and you'll get all that information. I might try to do some soldering on that one. E, all right, cool. So uh, speaking of you, Joe, where can we find more of you outside of here? Well, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, uh, which is at uh, tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which you can find at linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org. Bo's not here this go-around, but you can get him at theundercastnetwork.com or the Undercast Collective, as well as uh, Crowbar Colonel Panic. He's uh, almost here today. Almost, almost. Uh, Tony Hughes also taking a break. You can get him at HPR, host ID 338, uh, Twitter at TonyH1212, TH at mintcast.org, digest at gmail.com as well. And Josh, what about you? Uh, you can email me here at josh, joshontech at mintcast.org. Um, and you can find me on pretty much all the other social, social sites at joshontech. Oh, and Crowbar Kernel Pan. Can't forget that. CKP. I should put that in after, right after the Mintcast thing. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go find the link, too. I need, to, I need to make that blue. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yep. I, I was going to do it, but I keep forgetting <laughs> And Mike, you can get him at Mike at Mincast.org or Grouchy M on Discord. As for me, LeoChavez.org and at LeoChavez on Twitter, uh, Leo at C.im on Mastodon. You can listen to me more at LinuxUserspace.show or 
buy me a coffee. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website. Hobstar for the logo. InitRD for the animated version on Discord. And Londoner for our time sync. Also, everybody that throws in links into Telegram, Discord, or any of the places uh, so that we can have news for you every single time. Bytemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR for our backup mumble room and the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Mint. actually cared how long any of it went. We just went. <laughs> Later, Londoner. Thanks, Mark. No, we. No, I don't think so. Um, well, I think what ended up happening is we bantered more, right? I mean, I, I think with a... Yes. Yes. I think that that is a, is a very big thing. Otherwise, I think we run out of time.